0: Hello, please let me see your ticket subs for the Double-Edged Double Bill, where you get two film and or media discussions for the price of one, which is nothing. week adam thomas and thomas mariani will come to the table to randomly select the yin and yang of a double feature one will have two good movies the other one will have two bad both will have to pick a number between one and ten in order to seal their fates for each episode let the chaos begin i am thomas mariani
1: and i am adam el fuego thomas
0: oh boy adam are you ready for another episode no (laughs) well that's (laughs) the end of it then good night everybody see you guys (laughs) Uh, No, uh, we have another episode to go here, and uh, our guest from the previous episode, Mr. Dave Dreyer, is here. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm still here. (laughs) Yes, and uh, I wish I could stylize your name as the two backwards Gs uh, from Disney logo, (laughs) just uh, D&D. And in case you couldn't tell, our topic for this week in honor of uh, Christopher Robin is coming out in theaters. We decided to do um, an episode all about the Disney features, uh, which, given our modern climate, could be... Any movie released, pretty Umper. much, yeah. <laughs> in the last fifteen years, yep, they're uh, really taken over. Um, but it's it's one of the rare studios that has like a fan cult following around it that people just like get so absorbed in. I'm not quite one of those people, but I don't mind a good uh, Disney feature. Adam, would you agree? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, let's face it. it
1: you know, you grew up on Disney. I, I I could I still love Disney. I mean, I'm not part of like the. Mickey Mouse bikers or whatever they are, but yeah, you know, yeah, yeah I, I can still get down with Disney.
0: I love. There's actually a Mickey Mouse club, and you didn't fucking go for that. You went with bikers because there is they're bikers. They they're like it's a real biker gang. Well, that's true. They have the weird like leather jackets. It's crazy. It's it's weird. Dave is part of that gang. Clearly, Dave's the biggest that's, one of all of
1: us. Oh, no, Dave is just yeah. the leather
0: daddy. <laughs> that's true. <laughs>
1: Quit making fun of my hobby <laughs> <laughs> Uh
0: But Dave you're here for a very important reason because um in case you couldn't tell from the intro uh Adam and I come to the table every week with uh two either good or bad movies we switch off. Neither of us are aware of what the other one has picked in this case. Um and usually each of us would pick a number between one and ten between our two picks and decide what would be the good And the bad feature, but since we have a guest here, Dave, you are tasked with that. So, uh, Dave, go ahead for my two good movies. Pick a number between 1 and 10, and whatever you get closest to will be our good feature.
1: Okay, so I'm just randomly choosing a number between 1 and 10.
0: Yes, sir. I'm gonna go with 7. All right, at number 7 is the, I think, very underrated 90s Disney feature, Rescuers Down Under. One of the few sequels they've ever done, and I would argue one of the most beautiful animated films of especially the 2D variety that they used to do.
1: I completely agree with you. I love that movie.
0: Yes, uh, though to be fair, at number two, uh, we had another one that um, I wanted to revisit, and doing research I was just like, man, I would actually kind of like to view this regardless of the show, was the 1954 live action film, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. God, it's a good movie. It it's a, good a really movie. good movie. Yeah, Kirk Douglas, <sighs> James Mason. It's a really good movie.
1: Yeah, good choice.
0: Well, uh, now, Dave, uh, you get to do the same thing, but for the bad choices. You will get to t- pick a number two and one and ten to decide what movie Adam and I will suffer through, per his suggestion. So, Dave?
1: Well, it's going to be so bad, it's got to be number one. Number one is the baddest. <laughs> Ooh. Now, the thing about my choice for this this is one that people hate on. I don't know if I agree. I might. I might not. But it's one of the most universally hated ones. I did uh, Atlantis, The Lost
0: Empire. It, it yeah. is very divisive. Um, I yeah. remember liking it quite a bit, but I don't think I've seen it since I was a kid in theaters. So. Well
1: there you go, whatever, them's the bricks, that's what you're getting.
0: We also almost had a double feature of water movies with 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. I almost wish we could have got that. Uh, Uh, My
1: other choice was the 1990s blank check.
0: Oh, I'm so glad that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so amazingly glad that wasn't the case. Yeah, me too. Uh, Well, uh, thank you, Dave, for being on to uh, pick our movies here. Uh, Do you have any uh, final plugs to do before you skedaddle off?
1: No, I am good. I am skedaddling. Thank you, gentlemen.
0: Well, I'll just say, you can listen to Dave at Horror News Radio, com. also at Savini Fan. Good guy. Good guy, that Dave.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Thomas. I appreciate it.
0: Yes, uh, but now you have to go off into the clouds like Mufasa as we continue <laughs> on with our double feature right after this. Australia. Mysterious. Untamed.
1: And for a young boy named Cody and his magnificent golden eagle, it was a world of adventure and discovery. Fire! Until they met the villain McLeach. That bird's gonna make me rich. An evil trapper who threatens to separate them forever.
0: There has been a kidnapping in Australia. And two little heroes,
1: Bernard and Bianca, are flying in.
0: let's go for it!
1: It's the rescuers in the most dangerous mission ever. Walt Disney
0: Pictures, The Rescuers Down Under.
1: Throw another shrimp in a barbecue, sports fans.
2: Here we
0: come! And we are back. Uh, we have just seen our double feature, and uh, Adam, I believe we have a very special guest with us this evening, don't we?
1: We do. With us this evening is my betrothed,
0: Heather.
2: Hi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so as you can tell, uh, this is going to be a real uh, third wheel situation for me. Um, I guess. <laughs> Uh, I guess you two are Lady and the Tramp, and I'm the uh, greasy Italian waiter with an accordion. Yep, pretty sure. I think
2: Adam fits that bill a little bit better.
0: (laughs) Excuse me, I am authentically Italian, ma'am, and I will not appreciate you giving my opportunities away to goddamn Adam. Um, uh, But why don't you introduce yourself a bit, uh, Heather. When we were playing out the various episodes we were going to do, this was when Adam said you were very... Excited to be on. Uh, I'm guessing you're a big Disney fan in general.
2: Yeah, I mean, I of course, I've grew up with Disney. I mean, it's all the animated ones, especially like when I was younger. That's my whole childhood um, was singing the songs uh, ad nauseum to my parents. And then, of course, once Disney got Star Wars, then they just upped the ante. So I'm a huge fan of Disney and all that. I mean, they've become a Napoli now, but <laughs> they know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> and I, for one... Don't question anything, our Disney overlords, my two. <laughs> not. N- not at all. Um, them. Yes. <laughs> yes. You don't make any <laughs> rash decisions about firing directors based on Twitter comments at all. I know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, we're here to talk about uh, two animated features. It's interesting. We're covering uh, one from the Disney Renaissance that not a lot of people talk about that much, and we're covering a movie from the post Renaissance area that uh, most people don't give a shit about. It's uh, an interesting double feature here, but uh, we'll start off with Rescuers Down Under, which uh, came out in 1990, November 16th, 1990. Like I mentioned, this came out during the Disney Renaissance, which we've talked about previously. We did our animated episode uh, or we kind of briefly mentioned it, but basically, for those of you who might not be aware, um, there's various different eras that Disney is sort of cut up into in terms of their main animated features, and the Renaissance was from about 1989 to roughly 99. Some may argue maybe a bit earlier, a bit less, but basically it's from Little Mermaid to roughly around, like, Tarzan. Is considered sort of the Renaissance for after the sort of post-Walt Disney dying period, It was a dark time um where it was mostly features that really didn't do very well bombed including infamously black cauldron that was sort of the big moment where disney was like almost bankrupt and it's like you gotta get your shit together and they (laughs) gradually did starting like i said with around little mermaid and you know beauty and the beast aladdin a lot of those late 80s early 90s movies that everybody loves right now and in the middle of all that was uh, Rescuers Down Under, which is interesting because it's a sequel, one of the few sequels they've done, to a movie from that era that was sort of the dark times. And uh, well, maybe... I mean,
1: it, it's not one of the few sequels they've done. I mean, to be fair, they do sequels to everything.
0: Well, this is definitely one of the
1: first theatrical, if not isn't not the maybe the only theatrically no, no, released a, sequel.
0: That's what I was about to say. Is I was more referencing theatrically released sequels. We're not talking about the direct-to-video sequels. We're not gonna Yeah Nobody
1: that... should talk about those.
0: No, because we contemplated doing that briefly, and we're like, oh, wait, there's nothing to talk about. (laughs) At all. It's terrible. Not as good as the original. Next. Um, (laughs) The the only other theatrical ones they've done to, like, their sort of main canon have been Fantasia 2000 and Winnie the Pooh, technically. Which is arguable. It's more just, like, another Winnie the Pooh movie, I guess. But regardless, (laughs) this is the first one they did theatrically for sure. And um, briefly, uh, the first Rescuers, it's interesting they did a sequel to that. Because, um, that movie is pretty boring and terrible. <laughs> yeah, dude, to the I, point
1: where I don't
2: remember it.
0: I don't me think. Me neither at all. I rewatched it like a few days ago, and I don't remember much about it either. Um, it's <laughs> it, the the premise is interesting. I'm just like, there's a group of mice in the UN from various different countries that come together and rescue children who have been, you know, either kidnapped or have something horrible happen, and in the first movie, it's not a bad setup, and I like a Bernard, played by Bob Newhart, and Miss Bianca, as played by Ava Gabor. They're fun characters enough, but the whole thing that they're trying to kid do is try and get this girl who's been kidnapped by this woman and her weird, creepy assistant and her pet crocodiles to, like, steal a diamond because it's in a small place. And it's like right that's
2: very direct (laughs) (laughs) it's like there's no little
0: person criminal you could have hired to do this instead of trusting a child to do it
2: exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's it's so ridiculous
2: because even at the beginning of the the, this one I was asking Adam I was trying to figure out why are they What the hell are they even doing? Why are they doing this? Why are they mice? I'm sure there's other animals, since all the animals can talk, that are way more capable of probably (laughs) rescuing all these children they seem to have a problem with.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but to be fair, if it was like a fleet of silverbacks, (laughs) they would just go and rip up his shit and take the kid. We wouldn't
0: have a movie then. This is apparently based on a series of books by Marjorie Sharp. It's, I mean, it's an interesting idea in terms of, like, I mean, Disney obviously has an attraction to using mice as their main characters, perhaps, but also there's an interesting tension of, like, these small creatures are devoting themselves to rescuing larger mammals that could easily hurt them. It's an interesting idea. And plus, not to mention, you don't have a silverback gorilla everywhere. Mice are everywhere.
2: (laughs) And they utilize all the other animals around them, too, (laughs) which is always ironic. There's still the hierarchy (laughs) compared to all these other animals.
1: Can only this little
0: blonde fucker hear the animals talk? (laughs) That's what I want to know. Do they only talk to him? Well, that 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 is an interesting question because it's also a question in the other in the original movie because some of the animals talk some of them don't. It's kind of an issue here, but at the same time, what I like is that the movie just braces through that and doesn't give a shit because it's mainly about just like getting the action going which I kind of love it's just like immediately this kid Cody is in the Australian outback and he goes out to the forest and he his animal friends are just like hey look there's a bird up there you should rescue that bird Cody (laughs) okay kangaroo friends let's do it yeah yeah, I'll (laughs) climb this fucking
1: sheer cliff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to go cut this bird open, cut the bird out with the. No, yeah, cut it open. Yeah, I'll go rescue it. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> but, uh, using his Swiss Army knife. Like, dude, where is this kid's parents? Like, I get it. Well, I know his dad's dead or whatever, but uh, it's probably the kid's fault.
0: Probably an heart attack from the kid just going taking off and talking to animals and scaling a cliff. Okay, like, Adam. Remember, it's the early '90s, and if you saw that neighborhood, there was no one else around. Who else is going to be friends with Adam? <laughs> Who else will he be friends with but the kangaroo? Well, his best friend is his mother.
2: Or it's all in his mind. Right.
0: <laughs> He's completely crazy. At the same time, I kind of like the movie doesn't really stop to question that. Cause it's more just like it firmly establishes. He has a connection with nature. He's going off and he just has a desire to help animals, which is his big sort of trait leads us into him. As you mentioned, saving this giant majestic bird creature, which we got to mention up front. Um, the animation in this movie is gorgeous. It's phenomenal. Especially this opening in which this bird is rescued and the kid flies with the bird. Watching this movie, I was just like, man, Disney will never do this, but I'd love to see this on like an IMAX or giant screen.
2: Even the computer animation when you're first, credit scene, when you're going through the flowers and stuff like that, when mm-hmm. they're zooming in and flying, it yeah, it's age, but it almost takes up, like, its own surreal, like, artsy quality because of its age. Like, even the landscape when you're flying with Wilbur, like, it was, yeah, it's obviously, you know, not really up to date, but because it's so old, it almost takes on its own kind of, like... Just antique look that still still holds up because it's an animation rather than trying to make it look too realistic.
1: I'd argue the only computer part that doesn't hold up are the cars when it shows the cars on the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I get what you're saying. And in, in fact, Thomas, uh, while we were watching it, I I think I might have paused it because I tend to pause movies a lot. But I think I paused it and I was like, man, Disney just doesn't do it like this anymore. I mean, this, the animation was so great, especially my favorite part is when, what is it, Marahute or whatever, and that the name of the eagle? Yes. When it's uh, like re- looking at him and reacting and cocking its neck around and stuff like that and ruffling its feathers. I mean, it looks fantastic.
0: Yeah, I loved, I watched a little Making of feature that was on YouTube, and they actually went to, like, the Los Angeles Zoo, like, and actually looked at Australian animals, just to, like, really get a feel for that, and that's what I think, you know, Disney, obviously, there's so many behind-the-scenes things of, like, look, we brought a lion in for the Lion King, look, we brought in a walrus for some fucking random thing or whatever, um, they... There's what the the the, the Alice in Wonderland, sure, they did that. Uh, anyway, they, they actually look at these realistic animals as a way of jumping off point for their cartoonish creations in a way that like there's a base in reality, so that really works. And I agree about it, especially the the eagle is such a it feels like a real character as it's interacting mm-hmm. with this kid. It's not just like oh, we have a cartoon bird here and screw it. Um, they technically kind of have that with the Wilbur character. But it helps that they have, like, John Candy behind it.
1: He's John Candy,
0: and he's the best. And may I say, uh, ah, senorita to you, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I yes. like, uh... I've dug Joanna.
0: I love you know. Joanna. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which is, uh... Um, <laughs> Whatever the hell it is. Right, it's some kind of like weird a Komodo.
2: salamander, yeah. Yeah, Kind <laughs> of
0: Komodo dragons or something around there. Uh-huh. uh it's, it's a bit of all those. Um, which we should mention, of <laughs> course. Uh, he's, Joanna is the sidekick of our villain, McLeach, voiced by George C. Scott. And what I like about him is he's an underrated Disney villain in terms of he is menacing, but in a grounded way. Like, I love him coming in and saving the kid by putting his gun down to, for him to reach. Like, here, grab uh-huh. the gun. That's such a sinister way of him trying to get on this kid's good side and the way he manipulates him all the time. It feels grounded, but there's still cartoonish fun moments, like when Joanna's trying to steal the eggs. And I succeeds love that part. slowly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Busts his tooth out right away. <laughs> One thing though about McCleach, I mean that dude was just straight up trying to murder that kid.
2: Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean he was like into it. He was torturing him, throwing knives at his head. (laughs) Like he was like he was digging it.
1: (laughs) I wonder if they cut the waterboarding scene.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not realistic. Right. Right.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, I think we should mention we mentioned how gorgeous the animation is. A big thing about this was it's the first animated film to use any kind of digital work, um, because it was done through this caps system, which is where they basically draw all of the actual frames by hand and all the backgrounds and stuff like that. All that's drawn, but then they color it and then actually animate it through the computer. And it's such a great mesh of styles. We've talked about meshing styles plenty of times. But it creates this gorgeous look that at the same time still has that hand-drawn feel to it. It's in such contrast to the original Rescuers, which is that 70s, we're super low-budget Disney, we don't have any money, we're not going to do many pencil tests. You can still see pencil marks as these characters fucking move around. it's It's night and day.
1: Yeah, I'd argue that probably one of the biggest, one of the worst ones for me that goes with that is, like, Oliver and Company. It's so bad.
0: It doesn't help that it's also so a movie that, like, Disney's desperate. Like, what do the kids like? The kids like the Billy Joel. The kids like the dogs. <laughs> the kids like Dom DeLuise as a vagrant. I don't know.
2: Lots of sunglasses. More sunglasses.
0: <laughs> no, that's true. They do like the sunglasses. Give them a bunch of animals and the piano man.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and here it's interesting because it's definitely not trying to do the standard Disney musical. It's not trying to do the standard it is an action adventure film.
2: Yeah, and it's funny because it's both movies we took are on opposite ends of the spectrum for the same reason. Because it is action and adventure, but it's definitely, music wouldn't have added to it. And it's funny how in some of the movies you can tell that that was an aspect that they really were lacking to to enhance the the storytelling. It took itself seriously, which kind of helped. Instead of it being, you know, like that was how most of the storytelling got told through song or how the characters felt. They just they were just like little actors in this one. Yeah,
0: I can agree with that. We haven't really talked about our sort of technically lead characters of... um, Bianca and Bernard, who I it's interesting that like in this movie, um, they actually give a lot more of like an actual story for them to go on as opposed to like, hey, we're gonna rescue this kid. There's also their actual story of him trying to propose and she's just kind of oblivious to it but just wants to save the kid mainly.
2: Yeah, and Bernard's such a cute character too, because he's all you know, he's always riding on the tail of things, he's always falling down and stuff, and then he's kind of dumpy looking. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and it's Bob Newhart, too. Like, it's yeah. just... It's such a perfect character for his voice.
0: <laughs> I love the whole bumbling at the restaurant and just, like, the little bits of world-building of, like, oh, th- this whole fancy restaurant is on top of the chandelier of a human fancy restaurant. Is uh, uh-huh. It's a great visual... And also just the awkwardness of him trying to find the ring as it's going around and it goes under the table and all that other stuff. Um, it's it's great character stuff. That's the thing, is like even though this movie gets the scope stuff great, it also gets the smaller intimate moments really well animated
2: it's definitely a big yeah it's definitely a bigger world that that's why it's like i kind of once we finish watching it, i'm like man i wish i knew what half this stuff was about because of the first movie because it's definitely interesting how they touch on it even when they have you know the countries that they're all throwing out the uh, missions to and stuff like that but um one thing i did like i I felt like I got lost a lot in it, and I don't know whether that's because I didn't see the first movie, or like there was more to the world. Because maybe it was based off a book. Maybe that's how I felt. But there was towards the middle of it, I did start to feel like it was just kind of get. I was getting lost. Like it was purely for the action adventure, maybe, and I was like, found myself just kind of wandering away from it.
1: I think I can explain that uh, for you. Once the animation, like Thomas said, is gorgeous. But I got to say, other than that, I found Mr. be kind of a chore to get through this time. Like, this was one of my favorites when I was a kid, but watching it now, I'm like, okay. Okay. I almost wish there was music in it, to be honest with you.
0: No, nah, you um, don't believe me, dude. If you watch that first Rescuers, they're just like, <laughs> oh, he, our music is like 70s women's health video music. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's terrible. It's boring <laughs> as fuck. It's bad seventies easy listening music. If they just staple onto this.
1: And I will say, who's the who's? What's the Australian mouse character? Was that Jake? Yes. You you fuck Jake, by the way.
2: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: thirsty shoot. thirsty ass motherfucker. Like he knows they're together, but they're not married. So he's like, all right, all right.
0: I mean, he assumes <laughs> they're on a diplomatic mission. He doesn't know the romance angle necessarily. But he didn't thing. even bother to ask. No, he didn't bother to ask, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he knows exactly what's going on. I, I think, I, I like the Jake character in terms of, like, he's actually, you know, very determined, and he actually has, like, this um, way of sort of reckoning with the animals, like the snake bit. I thought it was really fun of him actually, like, lassoing that snake and telling it what to do. And it gives Bernard, obviously, the idea to do that later with the Razorback, um, which is a fun bit. Uh, but it, it, I, I think it's an interesting sort of uh, obstacle in, for Bernard to go, get over, but it's not necessarily, you know, he's just a villainous character. He's somebody who has an attraction to Bianca, but at the same time, he's not necessarily outright evil or a huge dick for doing it. I think he just feels no, more not to
1: me. I don't think he's evil or anything like that, but I mean, still though, dude, I mean, fuck that guy.
0: I don't know, man. I, I got it respect Just for another test like
2: for Bernard to go through.
0: <laughs> you know what? Whatever. Big <laughs> <laughs> I think someone might relate a bit too much to a certain <laughs> to a certain character. Oh, Heather, are you Hungarian in ancestry? I'm not sure. <laughs> I relate to him in both. I'm partial to
2: Australia.
0: body and wardrobe. I relate to Bernard, <laughs> and probably general smell. But I, I don't know if I necessarily agree that I found this to be a chore, because I think this goes by at a very brisk pace. It's only 77 minutes long, and I don't think it really feels that. I think it is a clip to go through. I, I found it really exhilarating and fun to watch, especially, like I said, after rewatching the first one, which is a snore fist. Maybe that's part of it, is that I just really appreciate it more. It's like, oh, God, it's moving. It's doing something. The kid's right. just not blathering for five minutes because they don't know how the fuck it, to fill this up.
2: <laughs> well, it could be too, because there was, like you said before, more subplots. Where usually in a lot of the animation or a lot of the um more kid style movies during that, it was really a generic, straightforward kind of, you know, to just to go to the the good evil end you know what I mean there wasn't like the role there wasn't like different angles in a lot of movies so maybe it was watching it it was like man there's just too much <laughs> uh, where, where's the climax and when the end of the movie <laughs> that's all I'm used to at the time
0: yeah we'll get to a movie that might have perhaps too many characters and too many <laughs> subplots in a moment um, but I thought this one had a good balance with that, like, even the sort of caged animals that we have, um, at McLeach's place. I like the whole, um, the frilled lizard character, especially with the whole thing of him opening the lock with his tail, and I love how Aww. it's initially a gag, and then we go back to it, and it actually works, because he did it for so long that his tail is just completely fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that visual, I I love, um, a lot of those characters in there, including, uh, the koala is voiced by the sultan. Voice actor from Aladdin, Douglas Seal, which you can tell is oh, like, oh, it's shit. it's Absolutely. Australian Sultan.
1: Now that you said that, I can <laughs> t- completely hear it.
2: Yeah, he totally sounded familiar. That koala has seen some shit too. Like, <laughs> I well, want to know that. He's a jaded ass koala.
0: <laughs> and now, I guess we should talk a bit about the fact that it didn't do very well. Was sort of. Uh, like I say, it was a momentary lapse in a big boom for Disney. Um, apparently, at the time, um, when it didn't make that much during its opening weekend, which, by the way, I found out was the same weekend as a little movie you might have heard of called Home Alone, hence why none of the kids went not saw this. And Jeffrey Katzenberg, <laughs> who was the lead of, anim- of the animation department at the time, just pulled the TV ads after that first weekend. Just like, it's not going to work. It's not. like he There's a great documentary called Waking, Sleeping Beauty, which I would definitely recommend about this era, where he talks to the director over the phone and tells him, look, um, it's it's not going to work, it failed, I'm pulling the ads, it's over. Which shows you how great a guy and motivator he was for that company at that time. (laughs) But do we feel that if it wasn't released against the juggernaut, this still would have done pretty well? I mean, yeah,
1: because, let's face it, Disney... (sighs) Well... Maybe not. you got to figure what Little Mermaid was right before this. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and then after this was right? Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the right Beast. Sorry. This, I mean, this is sandwich between those two. I don't think, like Little Mermaid people loved. This one just kind of, I don't know, man. Maybe because it's got the Disney title on it and people were still feeling the high from Little Mermaid. It might have done a little better, but I don't think it would have been up there on the level of like, say, Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast.
2: The marketing had to be a little uh, a little bit difficult for the type of movie it is. Like Little Mermaid or Aladdin, there's like marketable characters. You know, you can sell dolls of Aladdin. You can sell dolls of Little Mermaid and stuff. You know, it's hard to kind of market or to advertise in that kind of facet with this kind of movie. Because even though they're all animals and kids like that, it's hard to pick one single character that you can bank on. And that might have been difficult for them to do, too.
1: I'm in the
0: style with kung fu, fu free throwing knives <laughs> <laughs> with kung fu torture child action. Um, it's, right. it's great, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think it also might be. I don't know if they necessarily had much interest in this because it feels weirdly like this was greenlit before. Obviously, a lot of this Renaissance stuff was happening. Um, but it also kind of feels like they kind of wanted to move away from that particular era after the success of Little Mermaid, from anything referencing, like, those dark post-Walt times that they didn't really kind of want it. So I, I think it might have been a bit of a self-sabotage thing, hence Jeffrey Katzenberg, just like, nope, body's cold, <laughs> it's not going to work after the first weekend.
1: Should we hit it with the paddles? Should we hit him with the paddles?
0: Nah, He's dead. <laughs> It's it's a shame, because I think this actually would have been pretty successful, because especially, I don't think you really need the first one to really engage with the story here, because it doesn't really reference anything vital from the first one beyond that basic premise of, hey, a bunch of mice go out and rescue kids. You don't really have much else. I mean, maybe more about sort of Bianca and Bernard first meeting, but that's not even honestly that necessary to the story because it's just like oh they're two mice that have been going off on adventures together and now he's trying to repose to her and all that it's i, I don't think you necessarily need that and i think it's self-contained enough and honestly it's it's a far, it's one of the big examples to me of a sequel far surpassing its original in every single platitude possible
1: i mean i gotta agree with you on that simply because even though it's been years and years and years since i've seen this i still remembered it And I know, I I can't remember a single thing other than what you've literally said tonight about the original.
2: (laughs) I kept getting it mixed up in my head with Five Goes West. I'm like, if they start singing that song, I just, I don't even know if I can (laughs) do it. But I don't think I've seen this one in theaters or anything like that. But I do remember Bernard and her, like I remember what they look like in their their voices. But I don't remember really seeing it up until this last time, when we just last watched it.
1: I think I saw this one at the show. I'm pretty sure. I think we kind of went to every Disney movie that came out. And I know I had it on VHS in the big clamshell cases that Disney used to put out. I can honestly say this is the first time I've watched this movie easily in well over 20 years.
0: Yeah, the last time I saw this, I remember... I saw it as a little kid, though, interestingly, I remember having the first Rescuers on VHS in that clamshell. Not this one. I watched that more, which is... Really weird to me now. She's like, How the fuck did I even get through this as a child? <laughs> uh, I remember watching it again in middle school in an art class because our teacher taught us about the concept of animation and how it can like really just breathe so much life and you can feel something out of just a drawing. And he showed especially that opening scene is a great example of that because honestly, this movie gets hyped so well to the point where there are points watched that I almost kind of lurched. I was just like, Oh there we go
2: when the truck is coming down like yes. even up you of i mean just ratcheting down like i like right on you it's very good animation in terms of just how the moving parts and go where you usually you're used to a static image and then like the wheels turning and stuff so they did do a really good job of trying to make it theatrical in that respect too
0: and also just like really getting heights even from the perspective of like a child when like he looks up at mccreech um it's terrifying to like see that dude look peering down at you you feel that same sort of insecurity there it's one of the few Disney movies honestly that I feel has tension in it like in other yeah. Disney movies you don't have the tension versus this despite obviously you're thinking in the back of your head like oh Disney all this other stuff for the moment in time you're watching it's just like this kid's gonna get fucking killed by Georgie e. Scott <laughs> that's gonna happen <laughs> like, you right know now.
2: instantly too like he's just this is he's gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> he's just going to go ahead and do that right now. Is he going to
1: throw that kid into the alligator water?
2: <laughs> he's going to
1: throw gonna... that fucking kid into the alligator
0: water. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Even that, like, he's just like, hey, look, kid, I'm going to fake your death. That How many other Disney movies do that?
2: <laughs> and then there's the scene where they go to tell the parents, like, holy shit, the movie's not even halfway over. And, oh, well, mom <laughs> thinks he's dead.
1: Yeah. <laughs> not only is she a widow now she thinks her son was eaten by she's alligators got this,
2: she's got the damn kangaroo that won't shut up outside her
1: window <laughs> hi what you cooking in there oh yeah.
2: <laughs> well good
0: day well on this is very depressing note let's go into our final thoughts on the rescuers down under Heather go ahead and start us off
2: like I said it's been a while since I and I don't remember seeing all of it but I do got to say that I think the animation and the artistry that they did was really good especially for their time and like I said even to the point that seeing it now you could tell it's even gotten better because everything's so technical and crisp now it was nice seeing it from that um, point of view and like I said I think it got a little bit slow at parts, but I don't know if that was more of what I was anticipating it was supposed to be or not. I think it's something that kids today would enjoy, too, which says a lot. So, I mean, I think it was a pretty good movie, especially for the time it came out and I'm not remembering it at all. So, I would recommend it. Adam?
1: Well... I like the animation. I mean, it's clean. It's pretty to look at. It looks nice. Character design, pretty much across the board, is really well done. Each character looks, you know pretty different from the next and they got their own personalities and everything. But I found it to be kind of boring. Fuck that Australian mouse. (laughs) I I loved it when I was a kid, but nowadays, I mean, I, this would be one of the ones where if I had to watch this with my kid, I'd be tired of it after the first viewing. I would never want to watch it again.
0: I would uh, disagree with that just in terms of, like I said, I remember watching this as a kid. I remember watching the first Rescuers more than this one. Um, and re-watching both those movies, it's Night and Day. This is, I think, a far superior one. I think it's very underrated and Disney can deserves a bit more love. I think because, like I said, it takes that basic premise of the original and really improves upon it. I think the character stuff is fun, the animation is gorgeous. There's, I think, a few points I can agree with you guys in terms of just certain story threads kind of go nowhere in terms of, I like the group of... Animals that are stuck in McLeach's place, but they never go back to that. So those animals are still in that cage, as far as we fucking know, it's slowly dying. Uh, and the <laughs> yeah, boy
1: spilled over their food dish before he left. Oh, sorry, no time.
2: <laughs> and you'll
0: see the the final comedic note. I think is a bit of a dud, which is a shame because I like a lot of the comedic stuff with the John Candy albatross, um, especially him kind of getting his back strained down and stuff like that. But the the ending is kind of like a weak, like womp womp. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to To kind of close everything out on, um, but but still, I think it's consistently really enjoyable. I think it's in, I would say like a top twenty of these sort of the main animated feature canon for me. Um, I, I think it deserves to be revisited, and uh, it's 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 a bit more unique in terms of that overall filmography. Um, though it's not the only action adventure they would do, uh, because <laughs> now uh, we've got a movie that came out roughly about eleven years or so later. Uh, during the post-Renaissance era, Atlantis, The Lost Empire.
2: Good afternoon,
1: gentlemen. Now, we've all heard of the legend of Atlantis.
2: Pure fantasy.
0: Well, that is where you'd be wrong.
1: That young thatch gets crazier
0: every year. I
1: can prove Atlantis exists. I'm sure of it this time. I will find Atlantis on my own. I mean, if I have to rent a robo... This is exactly what I wanted to hear. But forget the robots on. We'll travel in style. You're going to need a crew. Yes, Mr. Thatch. But well, you'll need engineers and, and geologists. Got them all. The best of the best.
0: Looks like all our chances for survival rest with you, Mr. Thatch.
1: And can you ever tell that this is the first major <laughs> post-Renaissance Disney movie? I was not a huge fan of this when it first came out. In fact, I think this might be one of the first ones I didn't go to the show to see. I really do like a lot about it, but again, oh, I was so bored. This was a rough week for me. (laughs) I didn't feel any heart behind this one.
0: My trouble with it really is just, for those of you who don't remember, Atlantis the Lost Empire came out in 2001, June 15th, 2001. Uh, directed interestingly by the guys who had previously done Beauty and the Beast and also The Hunchback of Notre Dame. My trouble with it really is just that it it wants to be sort of more of a traditional blockbuster, but in the Disney formula, and that's why it feels like a gorgeously animated, slightly less awful Michael Bay movie. <laughs>
2: I can totally see that. I think they burned their bridge right away because even in the advertising, like I remember the advertisements that came out that said, you know, more action adventure, less musicals. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, Disney, that's their whole movie, their whole canon that came out was all the songs. So I think at first it was kind of like in bad taste for what they were going for. I think my the biggest, strong, the strongest thing I felt watching it was it was too young. For the crowd, it was trying to appease and too old for anyone that would be willing to watch it, you know, cause kids, it's, it was like you said before, there was just so much going on and yet adults are like, I, I don't care.
0: Because <laughs> it's I like it. I, I I do really want to like this because I there's a lot of creativity going on just in terms of the art style right we can all agree the animation is also oh, yeah, pretty
1: gorgeous yeah.
0: gorgeous for this one especially because this is um around the time of Tarzan they started doing this process called deep canvas which is where they had sort of computer generated geometric shapes and, like, backgrounds and stuff, and they'd animate an actual character onto it. Kind of reminds me of, like, the Futurama style, um, where whenever they'd have, like, the big ships, it'd be CG, but you'd have, like, an animated character inside of that. I like that right. style, and I think that works, especially like here or in Tarzan, but uh, with this, this great-looking world that they're building, and apparently some of the art style, the initial production, uh, sort of sketches were done by Mike Magnola of, uh, Hellboy fame, and you can tell, Kind of has that. Yeah, you could see it, yeah, especially
1: yeah, it, yeah. It, it, like the more steampunk tanks and uh, even the, like the guardian robots at the end, like you know the fake ass iron giants or whatever. It looks like Mike Mignola artwork for sure. You know, I I want to bring something up before I forget. Now the side characters in this, the what like the thirty hundred of them or however fucking many. There's so many. The uh the Russian guy. That I thought was Kevin Klein.
0: No, only to find out that it's Guido Sarducci himself, Don Novello.
2: It's like, I love you to death underwater. Like, I was so (laughs) enthralled, like, what was happening with this character that I just couldn't even care less about. I mean, he looked like him even a little bit. I thought so. No, I... I, his story?
0: (laughs) Well, no, oh, don't worry, you find out, because everybody has to have a campfire scene where they tell you your goddamn backstory. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> because that's all these characters have is like one distinctive trait and a backstory. And at least right. I, I, you know, I I will say that like, I do enjoy the voice actors. I think they're kind of giving a lot more to these characters than they kind of deserve necessarily. And also the animation, but they're still kind of hollow. Even Don Novello's uh, character of uh, Vincenzo... Sartroni um, is like there's some fun to his character in terms of some of the lines like I really like the bit where he's like look we done things we're not proud of we robbed a few graves but nobody got hurt at least not nobody we knew like that's a fun line um, and I think most of them except fuck Mole Mole is a terrible yeah. awful character awful that stereotype it. what a horrible stereotypical get. character <laughs> get it he's French and he digs
1: He's, he's a got, mole. <laughs> he's got big teeth. Not only because he's a mole character, but it's also a stereotype. Uh, not, dude. Look, as much as I didn't like that character, I really, really hate the spunky little Latina mechanic. I can't stand. You can ask how they I hate spunky kids in movies who like are smarter than the adults and they can... You know, I'll fix your tank for you. How the hell, do you know how to do that? You're 13. Like, <laughs> but she I she guess.
0: has a shop with her dad. That's how she knows how to fix future steampunk tech. That <laughs> right, very grade steampunk tech. Yeah. Well, I and mean, <laughs> well, well, while the mercenaries are
2: like, yeah, this this <laughs> is the best we're gonna ever get.
0: <laughs> and, and and two for flinching because that's my catchphrase, I guess. <laughs> it it definitely felt like it's I give it credit for being you know a diverse cast of individuals but also at the same time there's not a lot of character to them beyond that it's like great what are you gonna do with them and it's like well they're here and they have their duty and then they betray Milo but then they go ahead and go with Milo anyway cause they have no loyalty at all
2: (laughs) They've got no conviction at all. Like they're I mean and then when it happens, it's just like Oh, yep, I guess we'll stay here and die then. <laughs> like you guys have been money hungry this whole time. But nah, now nah, I'll just die underwater.
1: <laughs> they got these guns and everything, and then all of a sudden they a couple of them have like a crisis like I right, did sign up for this. You brought guns. <laughs> what did you think was gonna happen? <laughs> and when also you, you got have... there and saw there was fucking people, you should have been like, oh, shit, we can't do this. There's people everywhere. Well, well, the more... one
2: chick whose shirt's constantly falling off is constantly saying, like, whoa, there's people. This changes everything. So it's like she's got, like, some sort of crisis, like character crisis, but then – she doesn't at all.
0: Hey, hey, hey. I'm just glad that the Nazi girl from Last Crusade got more work after that. Okay? <laughs> oh, she needed oh, the money oh. and she needed to be animated. It's it's the same exact character. <laughs> pretty much. And, and also, her and James Gardner as, like, the, the main commander, like, you know the moment they show up, they're evil, but it's not in that fun Disney way, because, you know, the Disney villain, that's a great yeah. archetype. It's a, it's right. like, you know, even, you know, like, say, McLeach, we know he's a villain at the beginning of The Riskers Down Under, but they play on that, and he's evil and malicious, as opposed to James Garner's like, well, I'm not a villain, guys, I just like reading westerns, and I'm great, and I want to explore and excavate with you. That's totally what I'm doing. Shut up, James Garner.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's not like, you know, mustache-twirling Jafar evil, who's probably the most evil-looking character in the history of Disney. But, it, it, right, why does it take so long to get to the point where he's going to double-cross? Like, we got it. We know he's going to do it.
0: He's evil in the way of, like, oh, this Republican senator going to an f- environmentalist meeting. Totally fine. He's like, I love peace, dude. It's all great. <laughs> right, sure. Right. Sure. Sure. <laughs> We believe you, dude. <laughs> they should have really cut down on some of these characters. There are some that are completely useless. Like, as much as, you know, I love Jim Varney, and this is his last movie, that whole Cook character didn't need to be there at all. It's such a <laughs> unnecessary side character, which is I a shame, because, god damn it, I miss Jim Varney. <laughs> and yeah, it's fun Jim hearing Barney him say awesome. things. Uh, but. <laughs> Yeah, but you get the
1: old lady, the old lady with the cigarette. I thought she was kind of useless. The doctor was really boring. He was probably one of the most bland characters out of all of them, to be honest.
0: But he talked fast. Oh yeah, you're right. (laughs) That's such a great character trait. He talked really fast at him. (laughs) especially, Especially develop more people like even as much as we're dogging on the side characters, Milo Thatch is like the guy who instantly like you want to be on his side because Michael J. Fox and the moment you hear that voice you're like I want to be on that guy's side it's Marty McFly but Milo is so just like this useless kind of grating character and then when he ends up getting his like one thing he can do it's being a white savior guy who's like, oh, you people can't read your own language? I can read it for you.
2: Right, you can speak like eight different languages, but I just happen to be the one person in history and how long you've been around and be like, yeah, I got you. These <laughs> bikes, I know how to drive them. Maybe we're be too <laughs> harsh
0: on Dancing with Porpoises, guys. I, it's a great movie. I don't know what, what we're talking what about. What is that? An, what is that? Like a, uh, an air motorcycle? Yeah, I can ride that shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, you guys just—you got just turn it <laughs> clockwise, and then like this. Didn't you see me beat something? This freaking boiler, like the fons, with a wrench. <laughs>
2: <laughs> These have been here this whole time, guys. Like we're really kind of slacking on our right. own airing.
0: <laughs> because because they insinuate it's like oh we've been here hundreds of years and we can't we've lost the ability to read our own language yet. I'm sorry, let nimoy old emperor, dude probably knew how to read that language and just didn't tell him. He's just like, ah, uh, I'm blind. That's totally what it is. I can't tell you how to read this at all. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> Speaking of the Atlanteans, like, the, key, the key to character voiced by Chris Summer, who's, a, you know, a classic staple of various different animated TV shows and movies of, like, the 90s and 2000s. I, I wanted to like that character because they want to make her, like, a spunky, I don't need no man princess uh-huh. Except she ends up becoming a MacGuffin, who admittingly has gorgeous sequence where she's like exposed to the heart of Atlantis. It looks beautiful. It's majestic. It's wonderful to see. And it's such an anticlimax when it's like, let's put her in a box and we're going to put her on a oh, truck. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, all of a sudden he just cares about him. Like, Don't touch her. You'll get hurt. Never mind. Let's put her in a box. <laughs> my,
0: my, she was going to take interest. my virginity.
1: <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Well, we. are we...
2: swimming. Absolutely first base.
1: <laughs> Our buyers, are expecting a giant gem. Let's give them a woman instead. <laughs> like, <what> the fuck? <laughs> I just look, dude. And But like you said, Thomas, she's she's so one note, and that's all they give her to do. It's so boring. She's so boring. And, and, and Leonard Nimoy is dumb. <laughs> look, my thing is say. I stopped aging right now, and I was alive for another hundred and fifty years or so. I'm still gonna know how to read.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I,
2: I promise. It isn't that long of a time. Like, not that old, considering.
0: If anything, in that era, especially, you probably would have been doing a lot of reading because, like, what the fuck else are we gonna do? What the
2: fuck else is there to do? It's all erotic fiction. That's why he doesn't yeah, he... want
0: no one to know what it says. Oh, <laughs> yeah, erotic fan fiction. He, wrote... he, he went blind masturbating. That was the problem. Yeah. That was the big twist of it. It was an own fan fiction.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, don't read it. No, reading's dumb, guys. You yes. don't need to learn it. I
1: forgot how to read. What are these strange symbols <laughs> I'm getting aroused to?
2: <laughs> he literally went blind because of it.
0: <laughs> Terrible
1: it's just boring It's
0: just boring well it's it's less that it's necessarily boring and it's more of they set up something kind of interesting and then like I mentioned with the whole Kida thing they undercut it they they just do yeah. that constantly of just like potential no nope. something interesting falls off a cliff that's just it <laughs> it, it it constantly just is a start and stop and you said that like rescuers felt kind of you know um, boring at like the 77 minutes this is 20 minutes longer and it feels easily like another hour longer <laughs> it's yeah, just 100 because it's just like oh man this About is ended like eight times <laughs> oh yes yes there's so many of those, like, those false endings like i said this feels so much maybe it looks like a michael bay movie and more of just like one of those rip-off indiana jones movies of the 80s or 90s that you don't remember because it was shitty um, it, yeah. it, it, it feels so much like that and yet, like I said, it's it's beautifully animated, great voice actors involved, and it, I think this is kind of a problem with like this era post-Renaissance, they definitely wanted to try and do some things differently, branch out sometimes it worked, like say right before this was Emperor's New Groove, which was fun because they yes, did something I I like totally different that. and did more of like a Warner Brothers style wacky movie in the Disney style which is fun, and then right after this they would have Lilo and Stitch which um, is I from, like, don't a... like. Little. So oh. oh. Well, this podcast <laughs> is over, Heather, you you, you <laughs> got <your> free time.
1: <laughs> but then you get Treasure Planet. <laughs> no,
0: you know, I I might have things to say about Treasure Planet when we get to our feedback section, because um, I've been rewatching some of these sort of post Renaissance movies, especially because some of them just haven't I don't think I've even seen before. Like I was just watching Brother Bear. That movie's a terrible bore, even though how grossly oh, the wow. animated it is. That, as opposed to, like, Lilo and Stitch, I would argue, has a very sincere heart to it, with the Lilo and Nani characters, and then also some fun intergalactic stuff with the aliens that show up. I think there's a lot more to that, which is sort of sticking more true to its convictions, as opposed to, like Heather kind of mentioned, this movie is trying to appeal to so many voices at once and it never really ends up appealing to anybody. Yeah, it, feels... it doesn't land on anyone. Yeah, despite how, you know, many times these movies have been like, go through several different, like, story drafts and all this other stuff, this feels the most like it had studio executive interference. Constantly. Yeah. <laughs> watching mm-hmm.
2: it i feel like if they would have stuck to it even if they would have even went to a more generalized story like basing it even having her be a princess but even basing it in atlantis and then coming from more of the story of the at, from atlantis rather than you know us going through the surface and finding them it would have been much more enjoyable and would have took you on a ride and it could have been a much simpler movie
0: they might have been like, hmm, let's base our most of our story from the perspective of a native culture and people coming in, Oh wait, Pocahontas, back out, back out. No, don't
2: <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> Don't touch hey, it. Don't touch it.
1: What was the fucking cow movie? Home on the Range.
0: Oh! That (laughs) was was a bit after uh, this, and yeah, along with Treasure Plant sort of bombing, that was sort of the nail in the coffin, really, for Hand-Drawn, even though I liked, um, they did Princess and the Frog later, but they haven't really gone back to Hand-Drawn since. And I mean, the CG features they've done I think lately have been interesting, but, you know, it, it still just feels like we are, despite all the issues with this movie, it still is genuinely feeling like we've lost something and not even attempting to do two D for like nearly a decade now with them. I would wish they would kinda of go back to even a style like this of doing like CG combined with traditional would be great. Just, you know. Better story. Maybe less yeah. side characters.
1: Was it the last one they did like this, Princess and the Frog?
0: Yes. That it was the last one that they done two D well no actually Winnie the Pooh, I'm sorry. Winnie the Winnie the Pooh oh, one they did in two thousand eleven was the last one and that's another one where they're just like oh hey uh, we're gonna have this come out against a little movie called Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part 2 the end of a giant franchise it's fine It'll yeah. be.
1: <laughs> that was
0: smart we got
1: it. yeah don't worry guys
0: <laughs> I don't know Christopher Robin is coming out the week we're releasing this so they're trying to do it again remember Winnie the Pooh <laughs> you fucking forgot about him didn't you Well, now don't you feel like shit. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's almost as if uh, we're getting off track of Atlantis because it's not that interesting a movie. Uh, (laughs) I think it's a signal to go into our final thoughts on Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Heather, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I didn't like it. (laughs) It was all over the place. I just did not. Like I think it's like I said before, I don't know what they they never got a handle of what they were trying to portray. They never will. (laughs) So I don't really recommend it
1: adam Uh, visually i think it's it's really really spectacular um i'd argue it's one of their better as far as visual go but that's all it's got going for it man i mean the voice acting's good michael j fox you know it's michael j fox like you said earlier you hear his voice you just smile but there's nine thousand people in this fucking cast like it's just (laughs) it's too much going on at once and then there's like I don't know where all, like, the Nazi death troopers came with the mercenary guys, with their, just faceless, gas mask-wearing criminals. People were getting shot and blown up. And then it's like, a fucking chick in a, in a tank! This movie's awful! It's it's so all over the place. Uh, it, it's, it appeals... I don't know who this movie would appeal to. I really, really don't. And I know there are people out there that actually do really like this movie, and I, I just, you know... Want to set him down? I'm like, hey, big guy, why?
2: What did he do <laughs> to you? Why
1: is it Atlantis? <laughs> you know, like anything? I just, I can't, I can't get behind this one either.
0: I think it's just that people recognize the potential in this idea because I think there is. I, I don't completely hate this movie. I think it's just more of a tug and pull for me, where I think like there's interesting scenes. There's sort of a fun idea for characters like we didn't mention Frazier's father himself John Mahoney as the Preston Whitmore character I actually really Mm -hmm. like that character sort of like a um, a weird eccentric billionaire type which is like sure we'll fund it it's fine we'll go let's do this like I think that's one of the better examples of using your voice actor to a character who's not in the movie a lot but just enough like I wish they kind of took that philosophy with some of these other characters um, and just kind of did that but you know for being this big action adventure movie I think my biggest problem with it is just that it doesn't really have much stakes in terms of, like, like how many people die in this movie? Like, hundreds, right? Like, how many? I hundreds, would say hundreds, yeah. Like, hundreds of people. Like, it, there's a scene in this movie that's like that Been the Last Jedi where it's like, oh, look, all of our ships are now gone except one. <laughs> well, let's put a candle right. on a helmet and let it go off to shore. <laughs> anyway, let's keep going and have an awkward scene where Milo can't drive a car. <laughs> Oh, my oh my goofy God. Milo. You can't drive a car,
1: but he can drive a goddamn space bike.
0: <laughs> There's that it's not like you have a thing you can put inside of a car that you go forward or back and then right. it starts the thing. Oh, wait, except a key.
1: Right. He can fly he can fly a space bike and a Robster, a robot lobster. He can he can just pilot the shit out of that to lead a revolt. Uh, a rock it. lobster. Yeah, get him him behind a Model T and he's all fucking
0: thumbs. Oh, (laughs)
2: yeah, I forgot to ask, what is the giant robot lobster that, like, attacks them? Is that the Atlanteans?
0: There's always a bigger fish. (laughs) That's all it reminded of, by the way, is just that scene from Phantom Menace. It's that same exact scene. (laughs) I mean, it looks cool, but this is like, yeah, there's an underwater giant creature, I guess. We're fine. Let's keep going. Hey, look, there's James Cameron's submarine. Anyway. (laughs) um, (laughs) uh, So, yeah, uh, Atlantis, not too great. Um, I can see the appeal. It's not, like, one of my least favorite of the Disney anime feature canon, but it's definitely down in the lower echelon. It's one of the few I don't like. There's, like, a handful of those. This is definitely, I would say, one of them. But not through lack of at least some effort going on. just doesn't coalesce really well. Uh, this is one of the ones, you know what? I wouldn't mind if they actually did a live-action remake of this one. Because yeah, you could, could be improve cool. upon this. Yeah, that could be
1: cool. That could be really sweet. Unfortunately, <laughs> they'd give it to Michael Bay, and then we'd all be sucked. <laughs> we'd <could> be watching the <laughs> same
0: goddamn thing again. <laughs> Michael, why are there so many Kira ass shots? Shut up. Okay. Michael, shut I up. don't...
2: <laughs> you just shut your mouth. Paid. <laughs> you just got paid. <laughs>
0: starring Marky Mark as Milo Thatch. Oh, it would be, too. What? I'm a linguist. What's wrong, pal? Come on. (laughs) I know how to read. I can read better than you. Come on. You just turn it
1: quarter-clockwise. Say hello to your mother for me.
0: Indeed. Uh, On that note, (laughs) that is the end of our discussion on Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Uh, We got a lot of feedback from people um, because we asked uh, favorite Disney... And fa- least favorite Disney, and you all delivered. Uh, so let's go through them. Uh, first, short and simple. Dan Chambers just says Tron, not specifying Tron Legacy, not specifying favorite or least favorite, just Tron.
1: I know him personally. He is all about Tron. In fact, he used to have a personalized license plate that said Tron. <laughs> he has the Tron logo tattooed on his back.
0: Does anybody see that movie Tron? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know that the both Tron and Tron Legacy I think are an appropriate pair in that they're just like, oh man, these movies look so great and it's yeah. such a cool world. I wish anything else was interesting about this.
1: I'll give Tron Legacy a leg up because I really like the soundtrack.
0: Of of course, Daft Punk. That's true. It's a yeah. It's a bit of an improvement over the Wendy Carlos um, Casio <laughs> keyboard that we got uh, in the first one. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I gotta, I gotta agree with you yeah, on that one, uh, but Young Jeff Bridges just looks terrible on *Tron Legacy*. Oh, God, the way they de-aged him. He looks so phony. <laughs> Daddy,
2: what's wrong with your face? <laughs> uh. <laughs>
0: Did you have a stroke while you were gone, Daddy? <laughs> 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 Moving on, uh, Amanda Leonard has this to say, uh, favorites are Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, Moana, Nightmare Before Christmas, The and, and Stitch. Honorable mentions, though, The New Peach Dragon, Apple Dumpling Gang, Big Hero 6, uh, Hated, Song of the South, and Melody Time, Old and Should Stay Buried, and Avatar, hard to believe they have the rights to that. I'm not into John Wayne with blue people, visually stunning, but a take as old as time. Really looking forward to Dumbo digging their remakes. I will respectfully disagree, Amanda, on that particular end of it, because uh, uh, fuck Dumbo and fuck Tim Burton doing it. Why are we making that? <laughs> I don't
1: think I've really enjoyed any of the remakes yet.
0: See, I'll actually side with her on Peach Dragon, because Peach Dragon is actually an example where you watch the original Peach Dragon... That is a slog. I actually really like that. That's from David Lowry, who's also done like A Ghost Story, which is one of my favorite films like the last few years. Um, that's I really did enjoy that Beach Dragon.
1: Who's movie. the main male actor in that?
0: Um, Robert Redford, technically. Yep. Yeah, okay, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, the the kids like Farrell, right? They find him. <laughs> well, right after there's a whole opening sequence. Where it's like, hey, kids, this kid is uh lost after his parents die in a car accident and they do it in the most disney way possible just like the car turned over and the parents aren't there anymore
1: <laughs> right okay yeah i did see it you know i do re- i don't remember hating it but i don't remember loving it either so oh, it must have yeah, been okay that's when they
2: were in that big uh yeah,
1: that big like lumber yard and all that stuff
2: yeah we did like it
1: okay i don't well, remember uh, it i don't know but <laughs> i just could not stand jungle book Maug, the kid, the main kid was so terrible in the Jungle Book um, and Beauty and the Beast was
0: really rough I kind of like <laughs> Jungle Book but I'll totally agree, Beauty and the Beast is garbage I don't know, they just f- fuck something so great, it's so terrible Uh it made a billion dollars Goddamn God it. no um, uh, Scott Johnson, friend of the show has this to say, uh, best, Lilo and Stitch worst, Chicken Little I don't trust chickens in films anymore of course, referencing our a <laughs> Doodle conversation, yeah. uh, oh, yeah. which is a bit traumatic. Um, but yeah, Chicken Little. If you want very bottom, that's that's that's, it, that's a good one. <laughs> that's, that's it's yeah. pretty awful. Uh, Christian Alvarez to say best for me is Aladdin. Worst is probably Home on the Range, which we talked about. That's that's pretty uh-huh. garbage. Um, Ashley Clore has this to say: uh, My favorites are something this wicked this way comes, Bednams and Broomsticks, Mary Poppins, Snow White, Sleeping Beauty. Sword in the Stone, etc., etc. Least favorite is Frozen by far. I just didn't like it from day one. I disliked the characters and the story. I don't know. Frozen gets a lot of that backlash. Uh, Maybe a bit overexposed. I don't dislike Frozen though.
1: We haven't seen it. (gasps) We're the only people in the world who has not seen Frozen. I know.
0: You hear they're getting a sequel now. Oh,
1: fantastic!
0: It's it's cute. It's fine. I think uh, separated from a lot of the hype, um, you can I think enjoy it. Um I I, I mean so some of those live action ones are, are definitely like we Mary Poppins is one of just my favorite movies in general. I think that's a phenomenal example of what Disney can kinda of do with um especially yeah. Walt Disney himself. It's such a technical marvel and it's gorgeous and Julie Andrews won an Oscar for a reason. Um and now they're gonna be like, Hey, now Emily Blunt Oh my god, they
1: are fucking remaking that too. No, they're not. Oh re- you know, it's a
0: sequel, distinctly. Oh, good. <laughs> Even though they're copying things exactly like. No, Lynn Mel Miranda isn't Dick Van Dyke's character. He's. Blurt, not Bert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Oh, he's going to fucking rap. He's going to fucking rap in it, I bet you. Because <laughs> Ethan says World War 2 era <laughs> London like rapping, y'all. Um,
1: well, hey, fuck, nothing says Alexander Hamilton like rapping. I don't know he did that got
0: away with it. So. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, Hamilton's pretty great, though. But I don't know if, <laughs> I don't know if Mary Poppins Returns will quite achieve that. Uh, next is uh, Lance Langford of the Horror Returns podcast says, Home on the Range was so horrible it shouldn't even have had the Disney name on it. Robin Hood is not a fan favorite, but it is my favorite, and I'll stand behind it all day long. Um. Yeah. That's of that sort of post-Walt era. That's probably the best because uh-huh. it's not Aristocats. It's not Black Cauldron. <laughs> Ain't Rescuers. Uh,
1: <laughs> Great Mouse Detective. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'll give. I'll give. I like Robin Hood. Pritch John and that is so funny. He's constantly sucking out his thumbs and <laughs> he's key and all that stuff. And car. He's always not car. Oh, Cos from Jungle Book, but the snake, he's always beating its ass.
0: Though <laughs> like, no, it's, it's a bit, once again, Disney thing. It's just like, hey, let's get all of our old character designs out and just reuse them. Because it's clearly well, that's Ka.
1: true, because Baloo is just Prince it's, is,
0: uh... Well, no, well, the Little John is basically Baloo. Little John
1: is Baloo, yeah. Down
0: to using the same thing. voice actor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, often to Michael is just to say Aladdin is the best Disney movie. Period. Worst, at least I've seen it in its entirety. I would have to say it would be Treasure Planet. The Black Hole is worse, but I never finished it. Um, I don't know, Interstellar point five. Come on, guys, it's pretty great.
1: I've never seen the Black Hole.
0: It's very weird. Um, it's got Slim Pickens as a robot with Roddy McDowell. Um, Anthony Perkins as one gets killed horribly. It's interesting. It's a late seventies one. Um uh, okay. Yeah. Live action, right? Live action? <laughs> Live action, yes.
1: Okay, that's why I haven't heard of it. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm good on that one. I mean, Rodney McDowell and Anthony Perkins would normally sell it for me, but uh, Slim Pickens is a robot. I'm like, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> really, if you've seen Interstellar, watch The Black Hole. Nolan totally fucking rips off that movie beat for beat. Makes it better, but he's still totally ripped off that movie beat for beat. But this is interesting. Uh, Shaquille Lambert has this to say uh, his favorite right off the top, Treasure Planet along with Emperor's New Groove, Lilo and Stitch, Three Caballeros, Hunchback of Notre Dame, The Aristocats, Least Favorite, Frozen, Snow Dogs, Inspector Gadget, The Haunted Mansion, any Pirates movie that isn't the first, or the third. I don't mind the third. Well, um... You know, I will say, I did re-watch Treasure Planet, because uh-huh. I've honestly been so long. I think that one holds up far better than most of the ones of that era. I think because they have a basis in Treasure Island it's a pretty good treasure island adaptation that expands it to space i think there's some great visual designs in there i think it's it's honestly i would say um one of the more undersung
2: yeah i agree I, I just watched it recently with lils a couple weeks ago and i was i was thinking the same thing like i like the way it looks i think it's a creative way they did it i mean it's not super mind-blowing but i didn't i didn't think it was bad at all i I enjoyed the whole thing. I watched it. It says a lot.
0: (laughs) I watched it, Heather Thomas. I watched it. Put down the Blu-ray. Star. (laughs) Uh, How many? Just a star. It gets a gold star. Just a star. Um, Also, Hunchback gets a lot of shit because people are like, oh, it's not like the Victor Hugo novel. Well, guess what? If it was, it would be 50 minutes at least of, man, this architecture is so great. Because if you actually read that novel, most of it is just like him essentially wanting to fuck a building. Oh, don't we all? (laughs) Well, well, look, no offense to Notre Dame, I prefer the bells on a different church myself. Uh, But honestly, aside from the gargoyles who are terrible, I think Hunchback is one of their most daring, interesting experiments
2: no oh, i love hunchback i think even the um musical it's i mean it's towing on getting something that might be a little bit too old for some but i remember as a kid being like oh, he's like lusting
0: over her yeah he really yeah Fro- Fro- frollo one of the best villains easily and tony jay of course I yeah <laughs> moving on uh sam bertuxen friend of the show says best dinosaur worst dinosaur Obviously. We, we
1: Sam is it. so full of shit.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: he, you, he's literally just saying that to try to stir shit up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's just saying that because he's Sam. That's a very same thing. Yeah, Sam. exactly. Leslie <laughs> Lorenz, has this to say. Uh, favorites, Beauty and the Beast, Lilo and Stitch, Moana, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Finding Nemo, Slash Story, Wally, Mary Poppins, and many more. I'm not the biggest fan of Fox and the Hound or the Aristocats. Guess I didn't grow up with them, and I really don't know why, but we didn't have them when I was a kid. Fox and the Hound is interesting now, just because you watch it as a kid, and you're just like, Oh, it's sad, the Fox and the Hound aren't friends. You watch now, it's like, Oh, this is about race. Yeah. this is totally about race and spaghetti yeah. <laughs> it, well it's true
2: what's well, <laughs> Lady right.
0: and the Tramp oh wait you're a fake oh, Disney the, girl
2: that's not even a fake Disney geek, at geek at girl <laughs> <laughs> if it was Fox
1: and the How did they have the spaghetti scene
0: they, I mean that would be a really revolutionary spaghetti
2: scene <laughs> <laughs> in all the movies that's just my deal Yet again, they should come to me when they want. We did some talk about idea. the spaghetti
0: scenes in Rescuers Down Under, or my <laughs> <the> fucking <laughs> Atlantis the Lost. Bullshit. Whatever. Put some more spaghetti in it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no star.
0: More <laughs> <like, laughs> spaghetti. a Travis. <laughs> and then uh, finishing off, uh, Stephen D at Waiting FTH on Twitter says favorites are the. Uh, Robin Hood adaptation, and also the Jodie Foster Freaky Friday. Saw them both at just the right time, so they stuck in a positive way. You know what I'll say? I like the remake a lot of Freaky Friday. The Lindsay I don't Lohan, think I've Jamie ever seen one.
1: the original, to be honest with you. I do remember the Jamie Lee Curtis one. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was fun in it. I'll give it that.
0: And it was also at that time where it's like, oh man, this Lohan girl's gonna go places. <laughs> 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 And she and did. She did. <laughs> <He> did. <laughs> um, well, thank you for all your feedback. We want to mention before we go out, we want to thank some people. Uh, thank Chris Oliver for the music used in our show. I'll uh, listen to his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. We want to thank Emily Scarda for the artwork for our show. She accepts commissions at Fiverr with 2 slash eescarta. And of course, we want to thank Heather for coming on. Heather, it was lovely having you on.
2: <laughs> thank
0: you. <laughs> I want a divorce.
2: <laughs> this is the time I chose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Always making low-weighty decisions at the right. <laughs> and, of course, you can find us on at D-E-D-B pod uh, on Twitter or Facebook as well as the Facebook page. And uh, you can email us at double-edge-double-bill at gmail.com. Um, or, of course, we have our own individual Twitter accounts, which are at Nalpha, Who's Tommy and Adam
1: fans 6969 six,
0: nine. It's his catchphrase. It's like his two for flinching. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and we want to encourage all of you to subscribe to us on iTunes, and please rate and review us to give the show more visibility. It really helps out. And, yeah, I think that's it for now. So uh, let's uh, go ahead and sign off. Good night, everybody.
1: Bye. Bye. <laughs>